All right. We are in week six college football. This is stupid versus spread. Uh, start off with a few storylines, but a uh, pretty good week of football last week. Um, some pretty crazy finishes, I would say. Wouldn't you agree, Mike? I think Notre Dame probably the coolest, I guess. Maybe the most enticing. Um, yeah, except for the Riley Leonard part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was still still a great game. I also thought, you know, there were a couple others. Baylor, UCF. Uh, Baylor was down, what, like four touchdowns, three touchdowns? 28, I believe. Yeah, yeah. four touchdowns, came back, won the game. Um, LSU had a pretty nail-biting finish as well. Colorado um, tried to sneak in at the end. Yeah, I think we all – it was interesting to see Colorado – because I don't think I ever thought they were actually coming back in that one. No, no one did. But they made it, they, you know, it, it got there. It wasn't the end of the world. Like, I thought it was close enough where it impressed me that they didn't just give up, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think that one was more like, I look at that more as a slight at UNC or USC. Um, because, like, national championship teams just don't let that happen. Um, Correct. You, Oregon didn't let that happen. And granted, we talked about the emotional like roller coaster that bottomed out for Colorado at Oregon. Um, but still, like, there should not be a reason why if you're USC and you're up twenty, they were up what twenty five or something like that. Yeah, and they, and with Colorado missing two of their best players. Yeah, and you you let like freshmen who haven't played all year just beat you and come back into that game. I heard yeah. Bud Elliott today had a, a pretty interesting theory that the we because everybody was scratching their head at the way that they Sean Elliott um or Sean Lewis, sorry, not Sean Elliott. Um and uh and Dion managed the timing of that last drive um where they took I think like six minutes to go down the field down two uh or maybe it was like four and a half um with only six minutes left and score. And the theory goes that they wanted to leave enough time on the clock where they had to put themselves in a position to take the onside kick because they didn't want to give the ball back to Caleb Williams. Um, which, when you put it that way, I don't think that's what happened. I, I like I agree with them. I don't think that's what happened. <laughs> but that's it is like it's an idea. <laughs> yeah. It's a hot take. That's a hot yeah. take. I, th- I I think if you offered them seven free points with four extra minutes on the clock, they would have taken it, whether or not Caleb Williams got the ball back. I'm also not. I'm kind of out on UNC. Uh, sorry, USC is a, a a contender this year. I think there's, I mean, th- I don't know if you saw this. There was like a rumor mill about Caleb Williams maybe staying another year after this year because he's, you know, because of NIL, he's making so much money. He doesn't need to jump right to the NFL. He could do another year with Lincoln um, at USC. But I, I feel like there's just something missing there from that team. I don't know that they're actual contenders this year compared to some of the upper tier like Michigan, well, his, Georgia teams. Yeah, his dad floated that, and I think that was more like he didn't want to. He doesn't want to go to the Cardinals because <laughs> the Cardinals dumped Stink. Josh Rosen a year later for Kyler Murray, and now right. they're jump, they're dumping Kyler Murray a year after giving him a huge deal for Caleb Williams, presumably. Now they're not going to get the pick, so it doesn't matter. I don't. Yeah, think, he'll be a bear if he if he plays, yeah, probably. Yeah, I don't think. Um, I don't think Caleb Williams is staying either way. I agree with you, but not for that. It's just, it. we're back. These are just Lincoln Riley's teams. They, like, he, 
Alex Grinch must have nudes or of him or something, <laughs> because like there is no reason why this guy should still have a job. Like, and the the speculation was that if if Baylor lost that game against UCF and Aranda got fired, that Aranda was going to become the USC defensive coordinator, and then like maybe you have the ingredients. But I, I think I've seen the hate for Lincoln Riley start to build, where if they don't make a, the playoff at least with maybe the best quarterback prospect that we've seen in the last decade. Cause like Mahomes. Uh, so I, I think Lawrence was that I got to disagree there. I think Trevor Lawrence was that like started at Clemson two two championships. I would agree though, that he is currently probably the highest. Oh yeah. No, no, no. He's definitely the highest this year. I, I agree. I think there's an argument to be made that while that while Trevor Lawrence was a better winner. I think that you can make the argument that Caleb Williams has like a higher ceiling as a quarterback. Um, I can see it. So as far as a, but when you, when you look at the way he plays, like he's already won. A, Trevor didn't win any Heisman's, you know, Caleb already has won a Heisman and might win a second. Yeah. So, point. so uh, like to waste a player like that, because you can't figure out a way to put 11 guys in the field who could stop like a runny nose. It, it's, it is crazy that you know. I, I do think if they don't, if they don't find a way to, like, if, if it's not a bad bounce or like last possession wins sort of games, like if it's just they can't get stops to beat teams, Lincoln Riley's got to start catching some flack for the way that these teams just continually disappoint with like bona fide NFL quarterbacks year after year after year. Yeah, I I think I think there's something to be said too about I it seems to me like it's a defensive problem. Mm-hmm. Um and I know Lincoln is more of an offensive coach, yada yada but he's yada. He's the head but, coach. Yeah, but he's the head coach, right? The buck stops somewhere. And, yeah. and I I think if you're giving up like we were saying, like if if Colorado's coming back granted great coaching, great everything uh with, you know, their star quarterback and their star receiver missing and it's college football, so it's mostly a, a passing game unless you have a you know, an amazing running back. Like I, I would, I was shocked to see Colorado put up those numbers, uh, how injured they were. And I think, you know, if they get on the field with Michigan, it's not going to be a shootout. It's going to be, you know, a tragedy uh, where you're watching (laughs) Caleb Williams just struggle to do anything. And he's not able to. Well, even if Caleb Williams can score, Michigan's going to run like 55 plays and burn nine hours off the clock and win the game 21 or 27, 21 because right. USC won't be able to get a stop. And that's just, and that's been, but also like the same thing happened, Oklahoma, Alabama in the playoff in the orange Mm -hmm. bowl, when Kyler Murray and the old world Oklahoma offense, and then Alabama puts up 45 on them and they just can't keep up. And it's like Lincoln, right? Like, why do you like, it's the definition of insanity to keep doing this where you have these amazing offenses with these incredible athletes and then just keep burning them because you can't stop anybody. Well, speaking of Michigan, uh, aside from some of our crazy finishes at the end of last week, Michigan has been dominating. Uh, and I, I think it's time we kind of – I'm surprised, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. I was surprised Michigan didn't jump Georgia with how dominant a performance they have had uh, over the past five games this year. I mean, they have not let up more than seven points and have scored over 30 in every single game that they've played this year. Yeah, I mean the other, but on the flip side, that was the first game they've covered was Nebraska, um, 
So they're yes, they are dominating people. They are they're treating all these games like scrimmages to put it the way that Tom Fernelli puts it. But um, but no, it was it was an impressive performance. I'm a Michigan hater. I there's nothing you can say after that performance. I thought the first t- touchdown throw that JJ threw, where I think it was Roman Wilson caught it over the defender's back, like just incredible luck and an incredible receiver play. Um, I'm like. McCarthy was better the rest of that game, but I that first throw I was like, okay, great. Like you, you had a once in a lifetime play, um, but they no, they put their foot on the gas. Um, I AP voters are never going to jump Georgia right now until they lose because Georgia's won two straight national titles, and that's just not the way those people think. Correct. If you go by like if you go by that logic, Washington should have been number one la- like last week and probably mm-hmm. two weeks before that. So, like, yes, I still think like. I think Michigan, you've had them as your favorite in the Big Ten. I That's where I have them right now with the way that they're playing. I do want to see them do it against somebody good, um, but I there's not a reason right now to say that they're, they're not still the team to beat in the Big Ten because Penn State is still young. They struggled a little bit on the road in the first half. They played their worst half of football by a mile uh, at Northwestern and then turned the juice up um, in the second half. Mm-hmm. And like, and Ohio State is battling to like gather its identity this year. I still think Ohio State, either Ohio State or Penn State, can beat Michigan. That's oh not, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That's not what I'm saying, but like, clearly Michigan looks like the team out of those three that absolutely knows who they are and knows what they're trying to do in every single game. Um, and that's that's just the sign of a team that's well coached and like and has experience. So yeah, no, that like, and especially in a week where like. Georgia stumbled. We talked about USC. Notre Dame needed some luck to get out of Durham. Um, like I, I mean, Oregon rolled over uh, over Stanford. But like, but besides Oregon, like most of the t- teams in the top ten that played Texas, yeah, they win forty to fourteen against a backup quarterback. But anyway, watch it. Like th- that was a one score game in the third quarter, and Texas just put the gas on, like coming out of the half and. Dean couldn't keep up. Um, what a, that was a, cr- a crushing uh, news break before that game for anybody who had Kansas plus 16 and a half uh, that Jalen Daniels tweaked his back in warmups. That's yeah, um, that, was, that was brutal. Yeah. So like, yeah, yes, I think, I think right now with that performance, Michigan firmly planted themselves in the best team in the country conversation. And I'm going to stop doubting them starting this week is a preview to my card. Um yeah, I, I think they're probably. I, I my personal opinion right now is that they are the best team in in college football. Uh, I I will say there's some interesting ones. Uh, a bad transition, but uh, you know we we were talking about good G five teams. We talked about Tulane a lot because I'm an alum. Air Force looks really good this year, and I'm interested to see how the rest of their schedule plays out because unfortunately they don't have any ranked matchups, but I think air force could right now they're five and zero. Uh, they struggled against Sam Houston, but for the rest of the time they have scored upwards of 40 points a game. Uh, they have uh, off this week. They go to Y or they have Wyoming at home the week after, but they have a pretty healthy slate. Hawaii, Colorado state, who's not bad. UNLV Boise state. I wouldn't be surprised if air force comes out as the best team in the G five, um, for the which would be a first for a service academy, to my knowledge. Um, 
curious as to who you think is probably some of the better G5 teams aside from, I know we've talked about Tulane, we've talked about a few others, but any others you got your eye on? I mean, I got I have my eye on Fresno State, but I also they have a tough matchup this week going to Laramie. Um, yeah, I uh, I have a pick for that game. It's yeah, not in Fresno um, State's favor. We are probably on the same side of that. Yeah. Um, and but the rest after for Air Force, you know, looking at their schedule, they go to Navy, which is the worst service academy this year. They get Army at home, which is favorable as far as their service academy matchups. Correct. They've beaten both of them pretty convincingly the past two years. They go to Hawaii, which you and I, having both lived there, know that that's basically a home game for any service academy that shows up. Because, Correct. Uh, they, you know, obviously they have alums all over the place. Um, they go to Colorado State, which I think Colorado State put all their juice into that Colorado game, but I don't think they're that like they're not that team. Yeah, I, I would um, be surprised if Colorado State made a bowl game if that's not too mean. Yeah, Just... so like. You like the the last two games will be their toughest. They get UNLV at home, which helps, but UNLV is pretty good. They just beat Hawaii pretty soundly, and then they go to Boise State the last game of the year, which will be um, their toughest test remaining. So, yeah, it totally sets up where they could be undefeated going into a a Mountain West conference or a Mountain West championship game with like Fresno, presumably Fresno State right now, but there are a lot of contenders in that conference. I mean, the Mountain um, West is very strong. I mean, between Air Force and Fresno State, and I would even throw Wyoming up there, who's four and one, and UNLV Boise is four State, and one. Yeah, Boise State's three and two, or two, might... uh, they're two and three. Oh, who else did I, they lose to? The the top four and they Mountain lost West to right Memphis. They lost is... to Memphis. They lost to Washington. Oh, they lost to UCF by two at home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so like that's not that bad. UCF's a good team. Yeah, yeah, not that bad at all. Unless like, well. They they haven't UCF hasn't even gotten Plumley back, so I'm I'm curious to see what they do once he's back. But yeah, Fresno State has some tough trips coming up though. They they got to go to Utah State. They got to go to San Jose State, which is not easy. Um, they do get Boise at home, which is nice. Um, and San Diego State's always liable to play spoiler though. I think they kind of suck this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I like well, it'll be fun to see how the Mountain West shakes out, and then what the what the championship game there looks like because that game was a lot of fun last year. Um, well, I think it was Boise State Fresno, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I was watching that at home. That was a lot of fun. But yeah, Air Force is fun. And Mountain West should be fun. We'll talk about the fun belt, I think, next week. Um, because I think we're also... There's a lot of good G5 conferences that people like just don't appreciate enough, I mm-hmm. think is the juxtaposition there. All right, let's get into the week. Uh, best five games of the week. We'll that do being our preview. said, we're not talking any G5. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it, if we ran all through 130 plus teams, which means, God, my math sucks, but like, you know, it's what, 75, 80? Uh, no, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, there's... We're not I running through 65 games. <laughs> like, we would lose our minds. <laughs> yeah, come back to me in like five minutes. I'll give you a, like a... De- <laughs> Yeah, Texas, Texas State at Louisiana, uh, sure. Um, <laughs> well, Colorado State at Utah State, San Jose State at Boise. Yeah, oh no, we are going to talk because we're both we both have a pick for Fresno State, Wyoming. Yeah, that's going to be a good game. I'm yeah, excited yeah. for that game. Uh, all right, let's get into the best five matchups of the week. Uh, we'll start off just right out of the gun. Uh, Maryland uh, at uh, Ohio State. Um, Ohio State is 19.5-point favorites. Noon kickoff, over-under is 57.5. Mike, I'll start off. 
I don't have a pick for this game because usually my go-to is Maryland here. Maryland loves playing like really spoilery football. There's always like a Maryland game every year that just everyone's like, what the hell? But I think the combination of them being ranked and Ohio State knowing they have to be perfect through the season doesn't lend me to think that Ohio State's overlooking this game in any capacity. And I don't know if you disagree. So I'm staying away from it. I I actually kind of lean the over, but I don't love it. I'm curious. This is your thoughts. Um, so yeah, normally those weird Maryland games are at home though. So they had the one where, um, that's right. Ohio state went to their place and barely got out alive. That was like urban Meyer having a heart attack game. And then they had the one where they were ranked and they had Iowa at home with Talia. I think it was the first year that he was there. Um, and it was a Friday night and I was all over Maryland. I think they were home dogs to Iowa and Talia threw four picks, including two pick sixes. And they lost like 30 to three. Um, they're, they're so weird. Like Maryland, Maryland is just chaos. Um, this isn't a look ahead spot for Ohio State because they go to Purdue next week. That's a day, that's the one where you got to look out because then it's Penn State the week after that. Um, that's what I was checking to make sure it wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. No, I think Maryland or Ohio State will be fully focused on this game. They'll be at home. It's big noon kickoff. Um, that's where the Vegas lines are saying that the sharp betters think Ohio State's going to cover this one. Um, 79% of the tickets are on Maryland just because I think people look at that as a gaudy 20 point underdog, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, only 56% of the cash is on Maryland. So it's not enough of a split there where I say Vegas knows something, take it. Um, you alluded to it. I am on it. I am on the over 57. The one thing that, that Maryland can do is score. And um, that offense should travel. Um, Ohio state's, Defense has been pretty good, um, but and we don't really know what we're getting out of Indiana's defense. But Maryland just put up forty four on them, a team, and Indiana held Ohio State in the first game of the season to like twenty one points. Yep. Um, no, I mean Maryland has put up uh, at least thirty one in every game this season. Thirty one was to was at Michigan State. Um, and other than that, they put up 38 at home against Towson, 38 at home against Charlotte, 42 against Maryland, and 44 against Indiana. So they're, they're scoring at a, a pretty impressive clip. Talia's a lot older now. Um, I think that they won't necessarily be scared of the environment. I do think, though, that this is the kind of game where the Ohio State offense that we expected to see, we might see. And um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State covers – but the reason I like the over here is because I think there's an avenue where if you get like 21 at a Maryland, which isn't even necessarily a bad performance for Ohio State's defense. The only thing I worry about is Ohio State's defensive line just completely overwhelming Maryland. Maryland, and yeah. If, if that happens, then then this over is cooked because like you would need Ohio State to win like 51 to 10 um, if Maryland doesn't contribute any points. But I think I think if you – like if Vegas is right on the number, you you need like forty two twenty one to get to the total, and that's not a totally outrageous score to me. If you if you were to tell me that's how the game finished out, I think I'd believe that. So um, you get a few touchdowns from Maryland, 
let Ohio State go nuts and hopefully this over hits. I'm not super confident in it, but I do think that uh, these two teams can put up points. Hopefully this gets into a track meet early um, and then Ohio State sort of pulls away at the end if you're back on that side. I lean Ohio State. I, I think they're they're going to start rounding into form here soon, but I, I like the total more, so just give me the over. Love it. Uh, next one, the uh, next game of the week that we'll talk about. OU Texas, Red River shootout matchup, whatever you're calling it now. Uh, Texas is minus six and a half, so just under a touchdown, over under 60 and a half. Uh, so I'm not a big believer in OU, Mike. I, I, I don't, I don't know how good they are. I know Texas is good, or at least I think they're good. I feel like a touchdown or six and a half is, is a little low for Texas. And I get it. Oklahoma's ranked 12th, right? Um, but I don't know that they've really played anyone aside from SMU and maybe you would consider Cincinnati, but they didn't do great against Cincinnati. I'm, yeah. I, if I'm OU, if I'm a OU fan, I'm, I'm nervous for this game. I don't know that this turns out as well as OU fans think it's going to go. I will say they've been focused on this game since they got absolutely dog walked last year. Um, mm-hmm. Now that was without Dylan Gabriel. Um, I, this game, I feel like this game is going to be a lot of fun. Um, Oklahoma seems to, I don't think Oklahoma is going to win. I, I am on Texas minus six and a half. I don't necessarily think it's low. I think one score is probably right. Um, it's just more to me. I, I think Texas is just slightly better. Um, I think Oklahoma has played very well. They have, I, I didn't realize they put up 66 against Tulsa too. Um, yeah, but that was their only high scoring game. Yeah, well, no, they put up 73 against Arkansas State, who has gotten better. Um, but, oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah, um, they, yeah they've, had some, they've had some snoozers, especially SMU at home. But to me, I feel like they, they are playing with a lot of confidence, and I don't think they're going to let – like, I, I just don't see them letting this game get really out of hand very quickly. Um, I do think Texas is a better team, though. Um, Texas hasn't really played any good quarterbacks. Um, and Dylan Gabriel will be the best quarterback that they've played this year. Um, because Blake Shapin didn't play when they went to Baylor. Obviously, Jalen Daniels didn't play uh, last week at home. I think Wyoming's backup was in that game. Jalen Milrow uh, and JT Daniels. So they haven't really played like a bona fide good college quarterback, you know, that we would say so far. Um, so I... I'm interested to see what happens against Gabriel. I I think their defensive line is gonna. I I just I feel like Texas is gonna be. They're gonna play this game like they played Alabama, where they're it's they're gonna look like the more comfortable team. They're gonna look like they're in control most of the time, um, and I think they find a way to win. I think six and a half is like a, a fair fair line. I, Oklahoma is getting respect there because they haven't played anybody. Um, but I do think Texas finds a way to win by at least a touchdown. Uh, I'm also on the over. I because the only avenue for this, like this, isn't going to be a defensive shootout. Like no, te- not at all. Oklahoma's defense has played really well. They they forced a lot of turnovers, but they didn't look that great against Iowa State last week. They gave us some big plays, especially early in that game. Texas has shown the ability to do both. They've shown the ability to generate explosive plays, and they've shown the ability to really dominate time possession. 
and wear teams out, which they did last week against Kansas. Now, Kansas' defense isn't Oklahoma's, and Oklahoma's better up front than they were last year. I just don't see how they're going to be able to get consistent stops. The only avenue to me that keeps this game close is Oklahoma scoring a lot of points. Um, and I still, like, I have a hard time thinking they're going to get shut down by Texas because even Texas gave up 24 to Alabama and Jalen Milrow when he only hit one deep ball. So, you know, if, if you give, if you think Dylan Gabriel can also get you 24, then you're pretty close to the number already. So uh, I like Texas in the over here. I'm probably more confident in the over, I would say, than Texas, just because this game, if this game plays out the way I think it could, it might go down to the wire. And then at that point, like minus six and a half, you're not really, there's not too many avenues to get there. Right, right. I, I also think, it, I mean, hence hence the old nomenclature there, but I, I do think this becomes a shootout. I think over 60 and a half is, I, th- I would be surprised if we didn't see in the 70s, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that either defense compared to the offense that they're participating against is is overwhelming, right? It's not like Georgia is out there. Uh, and typically these teams love to just put up points. And it's one of those games too where like I – I would never feel like the 60 and a half is, is dead, dead because it could be, you know, 14, seven at half. And these guys are going to come out in the second half and just air it out and just, you know, try and get as many points. And there's no mercy in this one either. So like it could legitimately be 10 to 50 and they're still going to go for that. That interesting, interesting point. I heard too on the cover three, I keep shouting them out this week. I just, that's because I just listened to their, their big game breakdown. We're recording on Wednesday. Um, but they, they brought up the point that even if you get a quarterback injury in this game, Oklahoma loses Dylan Gabriel, they go to Jackson Arnold, who has looked amazing, uh, in his limited snaps. And then if Texas has an injury, they go to Malik Murphy and Arch Manning. Um, so like (laughs) there's, there's no, there's no tweaked back risk. (laughs) Like there's no guarantee that even if you have an injury here to either one of these quarterbacks that they still can't score. So that's what the over feels like a really safe, nice play uh, for this week. So I'm sure it won't hit, yep. um, but it just, it makes too much sense. Uh, I mean, 84% of the public and 82% of the cash are on the over. Um, so it's, everybody else sees this the same way. So I'd be shocked if this game stays under. I would too. Uh, should be a good noon slate. Uh, so far, we'll move on to the three thirty games that we're talking about. Uh, so Bama at A and M. I don't have too much to say about this one. I think this is maybe less interesting to me because Bama is not a powerhouse, and A and M has been mediocre. I feel like uh, the past couple of years, literally two. Um, so Bama is minus two and a half over under forty six and a half. Uh, thirty thirty kickoff Eastern time at A and M. I, I don't even have a pick for this one. I think maybe the over 46 and a half, um, but this is a SEC matchup. These overs feel like they go under. So I'm not even, I'm not even going to say that's a lean. I just spitball over 46 and a half here because I feel like maybe Bama just finds the gas and hits the pedal to the metal. But what are your thoughts? Um, two things. One, this might be the de facto SEC West title game. Um, because that's LSU- true. LSU has two losses. Ole Miss already has a loss, and they're not that good, uh, like to me. I I couldn't believe how bad LSU's defense played last week. Um, there it was atrocious. Just, there were guys just running wide open for Ole Miss, like coverage breakdowns, like I've never seen before. Um, it, it looked like 
UNC against uh, Notre Dame last year where Michael Meyer was just wide open for no reason, except it was every play for Ole Miss. <laughs> it, was, it was insane. Um, but back to this game, like, obviously Texas A&M has a loss, but it's a non-conference loss. Bama has the same thing. Um, and they've beaten Ole Miss and Mississippi State already on their SEC West schedule. So um, this we could get down to the end and say that this was the game where the West was won. Um, and so the other thing I have here, I lean the other. I don't have a play, but the I think the matchup that dictates this game is Alabama's offensive line against Texas A&M's defensive line. Because if Alabama sort of abandoned just the dropback passing game last week against Mississippi State, I think Jalen Miller only threw 12 passes. Um, and if Alabama can establish the run and establish like these these read options for Milrow and move the ball on the ground and control the clock, I think you get an under and I think you get a, a pretty good Alabama performance. But Texas A&M's front is so good. So it's going to be really interesting to see which side wins that matchup because the avenue for Alabama to win is relatively limited if they can't establish the run and get an early lead and force because, you know, Texas A&M is much stronger across the defensive front. Alabama obviously has been incredible at rushing the passer. So if Alabama gets up early and they allow that defense, specifically the defensive line, to get at Max Johnson, who is way less mobile than uh, Connor Wegman, Texas A&M could struggle offensively, and that could set up where it's a relatively dominant performance for Alabama. Um, If the inverse happens and Texas A&M hits some big plays early and forces Alabama to have to throw the ball more, it could be a really sluggish performance for Alabama in a game that Texas A&M doesn't necessarily look like a great team, but they win it like, you know, 24 to 17 or, or something like that. So I I think that's where this game will be won and lost on that specific side of the ball and whether or not Alabama can figure out a way to run the ball effectively enough to dictate the, the clock and to start the game ahead. Um, that's a long way of saying I have no idea which of those is going to happen and I don't have a play, but uh, that's what I'm looking for in this game. I think it's a really intriguing like matchup and obviously the the implications it could have make it one of the premier games this week, but it, it's just, it's a little bit of a tough read. Yeah. And it's also, you know, I don't, I, I would argue that it's a tough read because I don't know that either of these teams are happy. Like if you asked an average fan, I think both sides would say like, nah, this is not our year. We haven't been playing to our fullest capabilities. I think it's interesting in that regard because you know, I think Georgia is probably the toughest team in the SEC. But, you know, we've said it before, like, all you got to do is get to the SEC championship game and then yeah, anything like, can happen. And also, are they? <laughs> you know, we yeah, haven't. Yeah, yeah, we, we, You're right. They really have not, you know, played anyone significant. And even what Georgia showed us last week, I would say, lacked in uh, maybe discipline or, or oomph. Uh, maybe that's just that weird, mid, like early midseason slump where you just get bored. And we talked about like weird things happening um, in certain places. Uh, Pullman being one of them. Weird things happen when like big time SEC schools go to Auburn. Uh, Auburn has the Auburn home that's upsets true. happen so often. So like, yeah. It, but 
Agreed. Not a not a great performance for Georgia. So like that's the thing is yeah, are either of these teams do either of these teams look like national title contenders right now? Absolutely not. Could one of them end up in the playoff because they win the SEC with one loss and nobody else does anything? Yes. So like so this game becomes when you look at it through that lens, this game becomes very important to figure out which one of these teams still has a puncher's chance at sneaking into the playoff. I think it'll be interesting. Uh, moving on, Syracuse at UNC. Uh, UNC's minus nine, uh, eight and a half. Over-under is 59 and a half, 330 kickoff. Uh, I'll let you start here, Mike. I really don't have a play, but I'd love to hear your thoughts because you're a big uh, UNC guy. Yeah, I'll be at this game. Um, this, I, I was saying, I was actually hoping that Syracuse would put up a an impressive performance against Clemson because then I think UNC would be more like if Syracuse plays a close game and even loses against UNC, this line's probably six. Um, And I, I get scared of UNC games more when they are larger favorites than when they are playing in a game that people think is going to be close because normally they play up, but also play down to whoever they're playing. Yeah, um, at least in the past couple of years, I would. Uh, yeah, last year's ACC that. championship not included. Um, but so this, but the the part that scares me about this game from a UNC perspective is Garrett Schrader's great running quarterback, and this feels like a Gene Chizik is going to find a way to screw this up sort of game. Um, like this feels like a we had a week off and we should be doing nothing but figuring out how to keep a guy who doesn't throw the ball well, but runs it very well in the pocket because Syracuse has like, I think their top two wide receivers are hurt. They just couldn't get any separation. Schrader turned the ball over a few times last week uh, against Clemson's defense. But the one thing he can do is run. And so like the, the, the game plan, the path to victory here feels pretty clear. Sorry. Keep Schrader in the pocket. And Force him to make plays with his arm. And if you can do that, you're probably going to win. But it feels like Gene Chizik is going to have one of those games last year where it's just like, why did, like I said earlier, why did we not cover Michael Meyer against Notre Dame? It's just, I could totally see a world where every single drop back, Schrader drops back, and the two ends just run directly up the field, and he just steps up for a 17-yard scramble on every single play. And... And you have two of the best linebackers in the ACC in Power Eccles and Sed Gray, and neither of them is playing spy, and Schrader's just dominating the game with his legs. So that's what makes me nervous about this game from a UNC perspective. The offense is the offense. They're going to get their points. Drake May has been, like, criminally underrated based on his counting numbers, but people who are watching him play, like I said last week, he is playing very high-level football. He is doing what he needs to do to win football games. And that's, I think, the biggest difference. Like, the picks aside, what he is doing from a quarterbacking perspective, from a game management perspective, taking off when he needs to, helping to manage the offense in a way that keeps the offense on the field and allows those pass rushers to catch their wind and come back out and playing complementary football. I think that's what's been so impressive about this season for him. So the offense is going to get theirs. It's if... UNC's defense has effectively prepared to keep Schrader in the pocket. We should win this game by two scores. If they haven't, there's a chance we lose this one outright. So I originally was staying away from this, and I would have told you the sharp play here is Syracuse. 
I went to look at the splits, and this is this blew my mind. Syracuse is getting 55% of the public tickets. They think like me. 80% of the cash is on Carolina. Really? I don't know why. <laughs> I have no clue. But I am on Carolina minus eight and a half. <laughs> I okay. I can't believe that split. I was like, I, 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 dude, I looked at it and I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, I, I did anybody watch this defense last year? Does anybody know how bad Gene Chizik has been as a defensive coordinator for the past year? He granted, he's been better this year. I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop, and this felt like the perfect spot. This is a look ahead spot for UNC too. Miami's coming to town next week. You got to get through this game. That's the other, like that is the other reason too. Like if you just look at it from that perspective, you have Miami next week at home coming off a bye. Everybody's looking ahead to that game here. Maybe not internally, but I think if you're a UNC football fan, you're looking at the, the trajectory of the season. You know, you're saying if we get through Miami and we get a win there, all of a sudden our 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 outlook kind of changes a lot. Um, so yeah, it's um, it doesn't make any sense to me, but. UNC minus eight and a half. Let's ride. Let's do it. I like it. Uh, I don't have a play for this one. I, I, I would trust your, I would trust the system we use, which is see where the money is as opposed to tickets, which is usually a good indicator. Somebody knows something uh, or at least sharps who are usually better at gambling, uh, you know, are, are on one side. So, you know, I might sprinkle UNC here, um, but we'll move on. Last game we'll talk about before we get to our picks. Kentucky at Georgia. Georgia is 14 and a half point favorites over unders 48 and a half 7 p.m. Kickoff. I would argue this is probably the most exciting matchup of the week because you get to see whether Kentucky is for real, for real. And you get to see whether Georgia is actually the dominant force that they have been the past two years, as opposed to uh, like this. Will, I think this is the first game Georgia plays where the, the matchup is serious as opposed to not as serious. Yeah. Would you agree? Um, that being said, uh, I am not entirely thoroughly 100 billion percent convinced that, uh, Georgia is the best team in the league right now or in college football. Sorry. Um, I'm going to go here and, and go out on a limb. I'm going to go with Kentucky, uh, plus 14 and a half. I think they've been playing very well. Uh, they've been keeping control of the ball. They're able to score, right? They're putting up 30, 40 points against pretty good teams, Florida, Arkansas, Vanderbilt. Like, these aren't joke teams. And I think when you look at it, it's possible Georgia wins this game, but almost like sleepwalks through it, essentially. I I don't know that Georgia comes out, like, completely fired up. Uh, I think this is, it's not a look ahead, but there's nothing to me that, that spells out that if you've not lost a college football game in like two years, essentially, that this should raise any alarm bells. And I think for Kentucky, they know this is their, you know, in it to win it kind of moment where if you beat Georgia, you're now, you're not the top dog, but you just beat the top dog and that's saying something. So give me, you know, give me Kentucky with 14 and a half points. Uh, even even away at Georgia, you know, I, I I think there's some potential there, and I'll take the the points, you know, especially two touchdowns. Uh, I'm on the other side. And Are you okay? Yeah, Go ahead. and it is. I've I I completely agree that I I'm not sure what Georgia is this season, or if they can be the team that they have been the past two years. We're gonna know 
after this game. Like the one of these is going to be true. So, or, or at least you're going to like, if they, if they come out and they put out a pretty impressive performance, you're going to say they're the best team in the sec. They're, they're on track to make the playoff. And until it doesn't happen, we're, we've got to assume it's going to happen. If they sleepwalk again, we're going to have some serious doubts about whether or not they can do that. My, the reasoning behind this, I looked at the splits to, to confirm, to see if I could confirm what I was thinking. I can't because 79% of the cash is on Kentucky and 70 or sorry, 79% of the tickets, 72% of the cash. But the logic here is the, you know, the one guy that we always make fun of when he's the person who says everybody doubted us is Kirby smart. And Kirby yeah. Smart finally has a reason for, to be able to go into that locker room and say, they're out there doubting you. Um, and like, I, I chalk up last week. Last week's first half was completely like one of the sloppiest performances. Carson Beck wasn't even that bad. He threw one pick. But other than that, there were two fumbles um, contributed to the three turnovers. He was really good in the second half. Um, they also uh, obviously fumbled on the first play out of the half. But the, the thing to me, Georgia's defensive performance was still pretty good. The only thing that got them off balance was the running ability of both quarterbacks for Auburn. Robbie Ashford's a very good runner. Peyton Thorne is a underrated runner and both were able to get to the outside and run. And it, it was a lot of like downhill read option. They couldn't throw the ball, but they were able to run the ball. And that's what made the difference. Kentucky put up a very impressive performance against Florida where they ran the ball, but out of a pro style offense. They do not present the same challenge from a mobile quarterback that Auburn did. And that is a that is bad news for Kentucky because they are going to try to line up in the I formation and run the ball at, between the hedges against a team that knows it's coming and has better athletes. Now, granted, their defense is not the same as it's been the past two years, but their defense is still a pretty damn good defense. And I think if Kentucky tries to do what they did last week, which I think they're going to do because that's the brand of football they play, and I'm not really sure that Devin Leary is actually a good quarterback, they are going to have a lot of trouble. And Devin Leary only had 69 passing yards against Florida. There were drops in there, but he only had 69. Like, Georgia is going to put nine guys in the box and force Devin Leary to beat their athletes on the outside. And that is just not going to happen. I think Georgia comes into this game pissed off, night game between the hedges. I, I do think Georgia might blow this game out. Because the other thing, too, is Kentucky, that Florida-Kentucky rivalry is a very heated fan base rivalry because Kentucky lost to them for so many years in a row. And as soon as, like, this feels like a we won the game that we were crescendoing towards. Like, you know, people understanding that you can't be at your peak for every single game of a season. There are peaks and valleys, and, like, there are certain, like, mini peaks in between there. It's sort of like a line graph. One of Kentucky's peaks is Florida every single year. And so naturally coming off of that, there's going to be a little bit of a dip. Now they go on the road against a much more talented team in a primetime spot with a lot more expectations and have to live up to them. It just, this feels like that Arkansas game from like two years ago where Arkansas was like ranked 20th and everybody, it was like 18 and a half, got to take Arkansas. It's more than two touchdowns. And they went in there and got curb stomped from whistle to whistle. Like Georgia just, completely yeah. planted them. And so I just like I, the, the nice part about this is I'm throwing it at the board and I am saying 
either this is the same Georgia team that we've seen every year as far as like Kirby Smart being able to motivate them and them being able to just out physical you at like at every position or they aren't. And I think the other part too is Carson Beck was very good. And I think the the biggest takeaway for Georgia fans, the biggest positive is that you know Carson Beck is a guy. I don't know if he's like the guy that, that can win a national title, but he is a guy because what he did in the second half of that game last last week was very impressive on the road in a hostile environment where like it seemed like everything was setting up for Georgia to lose that game. And he was like, nope, we're going to go win. Because he's got a little bit of moxie, and I like it. So I'm on Georgia. I could be very wrong about this, and I feel like I'm the only person who sees it this way. But I just – it feels like that – we said it last week. We're like, when is the Georgia's Georgia performance coming? I think it, I think it might it be, could this be this week. It yeah. could be this week. You're not, And that scares me to think about because we haven't seen it yet. And if they are who they think they are and, and, and who, it's fine, who they like, say they are. And the, the, the biggest – like the kicker to me is like – Kirby finally has like non-complete bullshit ammo to put in the bulletin board. Like to to true. put in the locker room to be like, look, they they're doubting you. And like he and he can say it honestly. And and that's to me, it's it's a scary proposition for anybody that's playing them. If it were a better offense, I would be totally off this spread. But it's just it Kentucky, like I think Florida has serious problems, like coaching wise. And I think that contributed a lot to what happened, especially in the first half last week. Kentucky can't do what they did to Florida last week against Georgia. And I just – so that that's where I see this game could get very ugly. I like it. I like it. Let's see how it goes. It should be a fun match, a fun week. Uh, let's get into our picks. I'm going to just rifle through mine. Uh, I'll try and keep it under five minutes, and then you can finish up with yours. Uh, first one, Virginia Tech, Florida State. Virginia Tech stinks. I've been saying it all year. They still stink. Taking the under here, 53 under 53. Uh, Florida State probably has the ability to put up a good amount of numbers, but I don't think they're going to seek to bury Virginia Tech. I think this game just goes home under. Uh, Rutgers at Badgers. Uh, I'm going with Rutgers plus 13 or 13 and a half. It just moved. Um, It's cold, windy, uh, so you're not going to see too much passing. Uh, Wisconsin has really not done well over the past couple weeks. Really stumbling, struggling, not doing great. I know they're at home. It's a noon kickoff. I am not uh, particularly a fan of how they've been playing, so I'm going to take Rutgers plus 13. Uh, System play, Marshall plus 6.5 at North Carolina. Uh, Marshall's undefeated. North Carolina's a better team. Uh, I think we might see some surprising performances. NC State. I'm sorry, yeah, NC State. Don't do that again. Uh, also, a system play sixty four percent of the money, only thirteen or thirty percent of the tickets. I think that's uh, a that's a good money line sprinkle too. There's a chance Marshall wins that game outright. Also, yeah. NC State one of the more disappointing performances. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah last yeah. week in a game they they sort of not had to have, but like one of those where the season starts to really spiral if you don't win it against Louisville at home, and they just like thirteen ten and they like. They, their defense did everything they needed to do to win that game, and they just couldn't pro- score points. It was it was insane. Uh, next one, uh, Rice minus 9.5. This dipped from 10, so I picked it up. Uh, Rice is the better team. UConn stinks bad. Rice is at home. Uh, 4 o'clock evening game time. They're going to try and get the fans going. Uh, there's some special promotions and stuff. So I think Rice pulls this away pretty handedly. UConn is, is bad, bad. UConn with maybe the most hilarious ending of last week. They tied 
they, they were down seven, tie or score a touchdown so <laughs> with 40 seconds left and miss the extra point and lose. Just <laughs> so them, so them. They stay, man, it's bad. It's bad. Uh, Michigan at Gophers. Uh, give me Michigan minus 19. This will be a, a four touchdown win for Michigan. Notre Dame at Louisville. Uh, give me, I said Notre Dame at a bounce back here. Uh, I saw it at five and a half. It's back up to six and a half. I'll take six and a half. Notre Dame's going to look to get back on the ball, make sure they are still in the national contender talk. I think they do that by more than a touchdown. TCU minus six at Iowa State. Um, TCU, obviously, not the team they were last year. Um, this is a system play. 60% of the bets, 95% of the money is on the Horn Frogs. Give me that. Uh, I'm taking Texas Tech money line. Uh, at Baylor, um, minus one fifteen versus minus one ten, and you're you're losing a point there. So give me the money line on the favored uh, Raiders. But uh, Baylor stinks coming off a big like crazy couple weeks for them. I, I you know you come back against UCF, that's great. This is such a letdown spot. Give me Texas Tech here. Um, Wa Fresno at Wyoming. I'm taking Wyoming plus six. Uh, Wyoming's a very good team. Uh, I have enjoyed watching them significantly, and the only team they've lost to this year was Texas, and they only lost by three touchdowns, and they covered. Uh, they're a very good team. That was a one-score game for 38 minutes, I believe. Yep. Uh, Fresno's undefeated. They're a great team. This will be a fantastic second TV matchup at 7 p.m. if you're not watching the George game. Uh, and then finally, uh, Oregon State minus 9.5 at Cal. Oregon State impressed me last week. Uh, I was actually very impressed. I thought Utah quarterback, regardless, I thought Oregon State's ability to move the ball in key situations, good play calling, strong defensive, competitive defensive play against a Utah quarterback that we've seen perform well, not named Cam Rising. Um, still awesome. So give me uh, give me Oregon State here away at Bears um, minus nine and a half. To you, Mike. Um, I yeah, we hit most of mine in stride. Uh, Ohio State, um, Maryland over fifty-seven and a half. Texas minus six and a half. Texas, uh, Oklahoma over sixty and a half. Um, UNC minus eight and a half. I am adding your Florida State, Virginia Tech under. I love that play. Um, like that, a lot of people were for some reason. A lot of the cash is on Virginia Tech there. I'm not really sure why. Um, but the only avenue to victory is like a relatively low-scoring game. Um. It, like if you're if you think Virginia Tech can pull it off, you're expecting Florida State to just sleepwalk through it. And if that's the case, the the total is going to be under fifty three. And if what we think could happen is a blowout, then Florida State would have to score fifty three on their own. So um, yeah, I I think that's a a great call there. Uh, I'm also on Notre Dame minus six and a half, uh, and I'm on the under fifty four and a half. Like, this goes back to what we saw in Louisville-NC State. There's, like, yeah, NC State should have definitely won that game. I think it's just because Louisville's 5-0 and is the reason why this line is so skewed, yeah, so tight. Like, and because Notre Dame kind of looked lackluster on the road at Duke. But, like, Duke and Louisville are not what – what would the spread be if Duke and Louisville played? With fully healthy Riley Leonard. Like, what, what do you think that spread would be? I think it might be six and a half Duke. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say so six like, and a half Duke. So six and a half to seven, maybe. Yeah. Six and a half to Notre Dame to me doesn't make any sense. This should be a 
two or three score game easy. Like Jeff Brom's a good coach. I get that. Louisville will be up for it. I get that. Like Louisville's not a particularly tough place to play. Notre Dame is the more experienced, mature team. I think they have way better athletes. They are going to dom- like the only. This might get crazy if like Jack Plummer hits Jamar Thrash, and this game turns into a little bit of a track meet for Notre Dame, and they have to keep up. But we've already seen Sam Hartman can keep this team in games in hostile environments. Like they've already they've gone on the road to NC State in a game. Now, granted, that game, like we said, got all screwed up with the lightning delay, but went into an environment and and won convincingly went into Duke and won convincingly and goes to Louisville. Like there's no reason to believe why Notre Dame is not going to be both mentally prepared, a very senior laden team and be physically ready to dominate this game. I wouldn't be shocked if this is a complete blowout, Um, especially knowing that Notre Dame has a lot tougher games coming up on the schedule. I think they just, they're going to Marcus Freeman, I think can take the pulse of his team very well. I think it's probably his best attribute. And he I think he's just going to say, look, you're the better team. Go out there and be the better team. And and that's all he has to say. And Notre Dame is going to show up and and should dominate this game. Uh, yeah, minus six and a half there. I'm also taking the under 54 and a half, same sort of like Louisville's offense has been relatively good against really bad teams. The only good defense they played was NC State. And they scored 13 points. Um, and Notre Dame's defense might be better than NC State's defense. Uh, so... Like it, they're going to have that the sophomore corner. I think his name is Hamilton on Jamari Thrash. And if uh, he was the guy who was playing Marvin Harrison Jr. Pr- really tough. Um, so and Notre Dame, if they're if they're going to win, they're just going to smother you like it, this shouldn't be a high scoring game. Fifty four feels really high. Um, so I don't hate the, that either. Yeah. Yeah. Give me the under. Uh, I'm taking Georgia minus 14 and a half. I'm also on Michigan minus 19 and a half. This is I I. Michigan is just going to keep doing this to, to really bad teams. And like we talked about all year, Minnesota is trash, trash. Yeah, trash. They've been, they've, it's it's tough to watch. It's yeah, tough to watch. They are, Them and Nebraska, they, tough to watch. They are bad, bad. Like this is the same spread for Minnesota. It's the exact same scenario, except Nebraska had some sort of like, like Nebraska fans had more reasons to be optimistic going into that game than Minnesota fans should to me. Like I get Minnesota beat Nebraska. They also won on a last second field goal at home. Like it's so if you look at a neutral site game, Minnesota might've lost to Nebraska at a neutral field. Um, so like Minnesota is really bad and Michigan's if, if they just keep doing this to people, like they're going to win this game by 40. Um, and then I am on uh, Wyoming as well. Plus six um, elevation at Fresno. 308 feet. Elevation at Laramie, seventy two hundred feet. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna make a difference. It's the yeah. highest elevation of any stadium in Division One FBS football. Yep. Um, higher than BYU, higher than Utah. Like it is a, and we saw they can they did it to Texas Tech. I like Fresno is gonna be familiar with playing there. That's not that's not what I'm saying. Like it, this is different because it's a conference game. But Laramie is a tough place to play. They're going to get juiced up with a ranked team coming in. Weird things happen. You, this is one you have to take. I think you, you just you don't think just throw getting points and especially getting close to a touchdown at home. Like if Flor, if even if Fresno State sneaks out with a win by a field goal, they're going to be happy. Wyoming won't, but you'll be happy because Wyoming covered. So like, right? Yeah, this just no brainer. Um, give me Wyoming plus six. That's my card. 
Love it. Well, that's been our preview for the week of uh, six of college football. Thank you for listening. Like and subscribe. We're doing our uh, NFL show as well. Uh, one episode a week for each uh, college football, one for NFL. Uh, and we do run through all the games, do all the picks, and talk about the big matchups. So thanks. Oh, I forgot this. I'll yeah. go acknowledge last week was a comeback to Earth Week. Two, eight, and one. Not great. Uh, still, <laughs> yeah, really bad. Uh, still 55% on the year, 32, 26, and one up six units. So don't abandon me yet. But I kept knocking on wood saying the shoe was going to drop. Shoe dropped. So, yeah. That's fair. Got to not like, I'm not going to get off the show without acknowledging that it was a bad week. And we're going to move on. <laughs> All right. Well, that's been our show. Thanks for listening. Like and subscribe. <laughs>